0: Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode.
1: Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, assistant editor for Officer Magazine. And with me back today is.
0: Happily retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli. I can't tell you how happy I am to be home in Maryland. Uh spent a few days out there on, on the West Coast in San Diego at IACP's conference. Great conference. The, the show floor was just packed full of new stuff. Uh, our listenership should look for information on that, both online and in our November-December issue.
1: We look forward to checking that out. As always, we've got a packed show, so let's get right to it. Uh, first story comes out of Michigan. Um, This week, a report was released uh, looking at the uh, mass shooting at Michigan State University this past February in which three people were killed and five people were uh, critically injured. Uh, In the report, the findings um, stated that uh, police and law enforcement acted efficiently and effectively in responding to the incident. Um, One quote that uh, characterized uh, the response said, Police officers utilizing prior training for active shooter events were able to seamlessly and immediately deploy.
0: Yeah, I I like seeing this article, Joe. Uh, Another quote from that article is, the response in no way contributed to the prolongation of the incident, nor did it contribute in any way to additional loss of life. Excuse me, I think that's really a kind of a stab at the response that occurred at Uvalde where it was unnecessarily long and delayed in some parts. I I like to see reports like this that are positive about the police response. 8 months later, certainly they had a chance to look at every minute detail while the officers had to deal with what they had to deal with in the heat of the moment with very uh, compressed decision making time frames. But it's good to see. I'm I'm glad to to see this report praising the police instead of trying to find some place to place blame.
1: And one of the things I found interesting too in the report is that one of the um uh, problem areas was uh, the uh, self deployed individuals not just um off duty uh, law enforcement officers but counselors and and other people who uh responded to the scene in, in order to help um i think it uh, was interesting that it pointed out um just the the need now of um law enforcement of having to deal with good samaritans i guess and and making sure that um, they help the situation and don't create uh, more more problems.
0: So interesting you make that point because I think our virtual academy is the only place you can find a class on dealing with "quote unquote" good guys in or on uh, scenes of active shooter events. Most especially, not uniform, legally armed. That's going to become a huge issue moving mm-hmm. forward.
1: Moving on to our next story, and actually these next two stories. Um, Highlight again the increasing dangers that uh, police are facing with uh, traffic stops and traffic enforcement. Um, first story we're going to start with is out of Maryland and it, it, honestly it's a story. It's a sickening story. Um, Montgomery County Police Sergeant Patrick Kep um, has lost uh, the use of his legs after a 19 year old driver intentionally ran him down. Um, as the uh, officer was placing stop sticks. Um, This was uh, this driver was an individual is an individual who has a history of provoking police into chasing him um, in vehicle pursuits. Um, In fact, uh, this injured officer had arrested uh, the uh, the 19 year old previously um, for traffic violations and. Um, and the fact that this man intentionally drove at an officer out of his vehicle in the roadway, um, it, it's just it's just despicable, quite honestly.
0: I, I'm 100 percent with you. And in the, in the next article we're going to talk about, we're talking about officers out of their vehicles in general and the dangers they face. But I'd really like somebody in the judiciary and listen for the people who pay attention my father was a district court judge in prince george's county maryland which borders montgomery county i have many friends that are montgomery county police officers sheriffs and deputy sheriffs uh i have gone to training in montgomery county i can't tell you how many times i've been on this road uh, where this occurred and this this bad guy this criminal this assailant Uh, He has been previously clocked doing 136 Mm -hmm. miles an hour in that 55 mile an hour zone during this chase in which this sergeant was hit. The guy was driving over 110 miles an hour. This goes beyond reckless driving, and I can't figure out why this guy had any access to a a vehicle, Uh, you know, and I know there's no way to prevent him from stealing somebody's keys or whatever. There's a limit to what you can do or what you can't do, but this is this. Absolutely despicable. This is attempted murder. Um, mm-hmm. You know this. This sergeant. I'll keep him in my prayers. He's now he's now paralyzed from the waist down as a result of being hit by this guy intentionally. This is uh. I, I don't know. This, this it's hard to put into words the kind of contempt you feel for somebody who has this kind of evil in their heart.
1: And you mentioned too, uh, as far as our next story, um, looking at the different dangers in um, these traffic stops. Uh, this comes out of uh, Los Angeles where an LAPD officer was inadvertently struck by a fellow officers who was driving a cruiser during a uh, stolen truck chase. Um, the uh, injured officer was on foot to uh, pursuing uh the truck um this was towards the end of the chase um, uh, which ended with the stolen pickup truck crashing um but uh dash cam video from the incident just shows um the cha- chaotic um, circumstances around uh that can that can happen around chases and traffic stops
0: 100 percent so. You you look at all the dynamics of this. I guarantee you the officer that was driving the cruiser feels horrible Mm -hmm. and is second-guessing everything he did or she did. I don't know. The officer that got hit, uh, obviously injured, paying a a penalty, but we don't know what they did and, and how their actions may or may not have affected the fact that they got hit. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying when you look at circumstances, you're not on the scene. We don't know... If this officer's on foot uh, with his, uh, all of his attention focused on the person he's trying to, to catch, was he even aware of the fact that where he was running there was traffic? Was he even aware of the fact he maybe takes a turn and he puts himself in harm's way? The officer that's driving the cruiser may have had no time to react and, and hit this officer. We don't know the circumstances. But at the end of the day, here's what I want everybody to understand. When you're on track, when you are out of your cruiser in or near the roadway, you're in danger. We have too many officers get hurt and it is in some way, shape or form related to traffic stops. Uh, And it's an unfortunate reality. We can't avoid it. We have to be out there doing the work. So uh, really keep pay attention. Keep your head on a swivel be alert to your surroundings and don't put your your fellow officers in any additional danger or circumstance where they cause you danger. We, we, we just I know it's unavoidable. You can't avoid all the risks. We have to do all we can to mitigate them as much as possible.
1: And fortunately, uh, the officer uh, in the dash camp videos, you, you see him able to get back up on his feet after um, the crash. Yeah, not seriously
0: is, injured. Thank God. Right.
1: Moving on to our next stories and again, uh, these are two stories that go together. They're both about uh, bills that are um, moving through uh, different state legislatures. Um, First, we'll start in Pennsylvania where uh, the Pennsylvania House uh, passed a bill banning police chokeholds Um, it now. <clears throat> Excuse me, advances through the uh, General Assembly, but in this uh, measure, it would uh, make it illegal for Pennsylvania police officers to use a standard chokehold when making an arrest. However, uh, it does have the exception that chokeholds in situations where the use of forces is permitted, that's allowed. Um,
0: it it, it, so it seems so a bit like the straight let me let me get this straight forgive me for interrupting you so you have a house bill 462 uh in in pennsylvania that says we don't want you to use this this standard practice right standard chokehold uh except if the the rules say you're allowed to so what are they changing This, this to me this is political theater at its best according to this article It would apply to any act by police officers that restricts one's breathing or blood flow to the brain and would expressly ban holding a subject face down on the ground or in quote unquote prone restraint for longer than three minutes or after they've been restrained. Think about the wording so that you you got them in this chokehold and they're on their on their face. You've had to fight them into this position. They are now restrained. So now you're not allowed to do it anymore. So, So once you have them restrained, you have to let them be unrestrained. That's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard. And then it says law enforcement wouldn't be banned from using chokeholds in situations where the use of force is permitted. So as long as you're in compliance with your use of force guidelines as they exist already, you're good to go. Again, political theater. This is a waste of the taxpayers' time in Pennsylvania.
1: And a a representative uh, who also is a former police chief uh, noted that the definition of chokehold is vague um, and like you were pointing out, you know, he was saying, you know, when you're in these physical uh, struggles, um, trying to apprehend a suspect you're rolling around, you know, like when, yeah, when is it okay in the middle of the struggle for the chokehold and when isn't it? So we'll see how this,
0: if I've got my arm around somebody's neck, it's because I'm, I'm fighting for my life and they've tried to kill me and therefore lethal force is is justified. Otherwise dealing with anybody's neck represents a threat to, to my financial stability in the future, because it's always going to be perceived as me trying to kill them, even if all I'm doing is trying to control them. So, but but again, this is political theater.
1: And our related story um, out of Massachusetts, where uh, another uh, controversial piece of legislation is um, <clears throat> moving through that state. Uh, this is a gun reform bill um, that uh, a police chiefs group in the state uh, objects to, and uh, claiming that uh, it is going to actually impact legal gun owners more than it is the criminals that uh, the measure is designed to uh, combat.
0: You know, I think it says something when, and look, some states uh, are notoriously anti-gun in their legislation, okay? I live in one, Maryland, Massachusetts, California, Illinois, Connecticut. A- a- any Anybody who's in the the quote-unquote gun world. If you've been on either side of the the gun control movement, for it or against it, you 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 know these states are are automatically anti-gun. Uh, their legislatures have notoriously been for decades. It says something. That we've reached a point in our society where staffing is such a problem, where recruiting and retention is such a problem, where crime rates are such a problem following defund the police movements and politicians that empower criminals and make them feel, uh, you know, like they're uh, entitled to commit crimes and nobody better punish them for it, whatever. When you have a group of police chiefs that say, hey, this is stupid, this is unconstitutional. You can't do this. All this is going to do is make law abiding citizens less able to defend themselves legally. And then the politicians do it anyway. More political theater, because here's what's going to happen. And proof of this in the pudding. These politicians pass laws they know are unconstitutional, just trying to find out if they can get away with it. And then hoping they're going to be enforced, even if it's only temporarily, until the courts say you can't do this and put an injunction in place. This is a state government getting away with whatever it can get away with, even knowing it's unconstitutional, until they become restrained. This is the very reason the Constitution was written, and you would think that people in Massachusetts would understand this. But when the police chiefs get together and say, no, this is a bad idea, maybe those politicians really ought to listen.
1: And this bill moves on to the state Senate. And just to give a little background too, um, the measure would. uh, Would strengthen. um, Licensing for firearms and then also um, be it would go after uh, ghost guns as well. Um, And of note too is the uh, police chiefs organization in the state you the members unanimously voted to oppose this. So uh, among that, uh, that group, this was not uh, not something that uh, you had a lot of dissenting opinions on.
0: So um, let's, I got to this is sure. very specific about this, okay? What mm-hmm. everybody calls a ghost gun means it didn't come out of a major manufacturer. It means that it was a, a part or parts that somebody was able to put together in their home. There's no law against that. They're trying to create one strengthens the commonwealth's red flag laws red flag laws have been argued constitutional or not constitutional the whole time because they allow for somebody to come and seize your weapons without due process that violates the constitution updates the definition of assault weapons i love this what how do you define an assault weapon because according to some states a fully assembled fully functioning semi-automatic rifle of any caliber is an assault weapon and this one Uh, It specifically says, would also outlaw the sale or purchase of rifles styled like Armalite's AR-15. So every semi-automatic, 556, 223, box-fed Magazine, semi-automatic out there, they're going to ban them all. It's just different wording for the same attempt. I love this one, though. Limits the carrying of guns into schools. Laws already exist for that. Polling places. Laws already exist for that. Government buildings. Laws already exist for that. But here's the kicker. And the private residences of others. I can't even take a gun into my friend's house now, even if he's okay with it. That law may may affect that. It, it, I'll stop. I'll get down off my soapbox. More political theater that's wasting the taxpayer's time.
1: Moving on to our next story. This is out of Rhode Island, um, where uh, two officers um, were able to step in and um, stop a violent incident that was unfolding right at their doorstep at the police station Um, in Bristol um, two college students uh, were fleeing a naked man Uh, they were both in vehicles and the college students uh, had been harassed by this individual at a park the students then uh, head to a police station at the station uh, the suspect began ramming uh, the car of the college students. Luckily, uh, a Bristol police sergeant and a retired officer were able to stop this. Um, the sergeant uh, shot and wounded uh, the naked man and um, you know, rescued the, the, the two college students in, um, you know, not just a, a pervy naked guy, but also one who, uh, you know, was violently assaulting them by crashing into their car.
0: You know, kudos to the to the desk sergeant for doing what he needed to do. Kudos to the retired officer who jumped in to help. Uh, I I, I find the story amazing and, and humorous at the same time for two reasons. One, I have a niece who's a nurse and she she says, really, police officers have to deal with naked people because as a nurse, they do it in the hospital all the time. But she can't imagine under what circumstance law enforcement would have to deal with naked people. Well, guess what? People do dumb stuff out on the street and they like to do it naked. Um, I arrested my fair share. Naked people in the middle of January, in the deep of winter, and they're out there naked. Uh, Whatever they're on, whatever their their altered mental state is, whatever, we have to deal with that. And then I want to reach out to the dispatchers and offer them my congratulations and appreciation because it's got to be hard not to just bust out laughing when you're dispatching officers to a call for a naked man doing anything or a naked woman doing anything. Um, you you just have to shake your head at the stupid at at, at the, and and look somewhere, someplace, somebody's going, oh man, Frank just called this guy stupid. And for all, you know, he's mentally disabled or mentally challenged or emotionally. Yes. All that stuff's correct. Uh, to me being naked, committing a crime is a stupid thing to do, no matter what your motivations or circumstances are. Um, I mean, no offense to this individual. I'm glad he's going to get help. In whatever mental ward he ends up in when they clear him from the hospital. Um, kudos to the sergeant. Kudos to the retired officer. Uh, I'm glad the students weren't hurt.
1: And I apologize, Ed, for using the term pervy. Um, probably a little step up from stupid. But uh, we're going to we'll stick hey, it. You know in what? The...
0: Some of these people are. Let's let's assume for a moment, because I don't think you should apologize for that. Let's uh, assume for a moment this guy's not emotionally unstable, not mentally unstable. He just gets his kicks walking around showing off his junk naked to college students. That's pretty pervy. I'm good with it, (laughs) Joe.
1: Staying in this uh, category of um, (coughs) stupid criminals, uh, our next story comes out of uh, Phoenix, where uh, police were able to apprehend a uh, suspect who was fleeing on foot and decided after running through residential uh yards he was going to take to the rooftops and um in his little manix uh jump uh from one rooftop to the other he unfortunately missed and ended up in uh in a recycling bin and uh, officers were able to uh, take him into custody um But uh, this sounds to me like someone who thought, you know, that doesn't look that tough on TV and the movies. I can I can be like Spider-Man and and leap from rooftop to rooftop uh, and get away.
0: Exactly. This is this is the Hollywood happened and you found out you weren't. Um, (laughs) I I keep thinking of what was it, the fourth Jason Bourne movie where they're running across the, the rooftops and leaping from building to building and. Um, you know, it's not hard when there's two or three feet in between the building, but when you think you can do a 20 foot long jump and you can only do an 18 foot long jump, the reality of gravity kind of smacks you in the face along with the wall you hit or the, uh, the recycling bin that you land in, and then you get up and try to run away and you find out, you know, Hollywood happened again. I can't outrun that dog. Um, and, a I, I like the, I, it reminds me of the meme where you have the, the the police canine in court with his paw up on a Bible, and the the line at the bottom says, yes, your honor, that's the bad guy who thought he could outrun me. <laughs> you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, but uh, okay, we got another bad guy. I think all is good.
1: And our final story, again, in the uh, stupid criminal category, this was a case of, um, Uh, A a man helping out law enforcement by inadvertently (laughs) turning himself in. That's
0: a a cool way to put it.
1: (laughs) Well, here was a man who was, uh, this is out of Alabama. Uh, He was wanted on outstanding warrants, one for attempted murder. Um, But hey, like any other person, you have car trouble. He experienced uh, car trouble, needed a jump start. So what does he do? He calls the Bristol Police Department. He doesn't and,
0: call AAA. He doesn't call a friend. Exactly. He doesn't call the Ghostbusters. Nope. He calls the police department while he has open warrants.
1: And as you can imagine, it ended the way that uh, you'd think it would end. Uh, police uh, were able to do a check, found the outstanding warrants, one again for attempted murder, the other for leaving the scene of an accident with injuries and uh They took him into custody and uh, booked him into jail. Uh, As the uh, department statement said, um, let me see that. Uh, How are you going to call the police to get a jump off? And, you know, you have an outstanding warrant for attempted murder. He got a jump off to jail.
0: So, you know, I I think it's interesting because I think this is the only place I've ever heard a jump start called a jump off. Exactly. But but whatever, Uh, Lieutenant Houghton, uh, 100 percent with you. Why would anybody, knowing they have an open warrant for attempted murder, call and ask the police for a jumpstart? Because something's not right between their ears. Because they think they're not, that nobody knows. They think the police aren't going to check. I mean, I'm calling you for help. Why would you run me for warrants? Here's a reality for any potential criminals listening. If you interact with the police long enough, they're going to check to see if you have any open warrants. Why? Because it's an easy statistic. I get the warrant service. I get the arrest. It makes my personnel file look good. And if you invite me to come do it to you, rock on. I bring my handcuffs with me.
1: And and criminals, like you said uh, earlier, Frank, call AAA. You know, <laughs> get, contact your insurance company. Um, and, and maybe keep tabs on whether or not you have um, outstanding warrants outside of, say, parking tickets, you know, with attempted murder, that shouldn't be something that that slips your mind.
0: Yeah, you, you should be aware of that. I mean, there are times people have open warrants and they're not aware of them. It's a very rare occasion. One in a thousand. Everybody else call a friend, call AAA. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Uh,
1: That uh, does it for us this week. Thanks again for uh, listening. And uh, I'm glad to have uh, Frank back in the seat. And thanks uh, again for Paul uh, Peluso uh, for filling in uh, while you're out.
0: Yes, thank you to you both. Uh, I love doing these. I love doing these lineup podcasts, Joe, and uh, would encourage everybody. You know, we've been doing this for several months now, got going on a year for some of our podcasts. Uh, go back and listen to them. Some of them are fairly entertaining, and we definitely have some award winners in in the Darwinism file from stupid criminals.
1: And, and definitely check out our new um, series um, on active shooter response. Um, it's a six part series. We have uh, three parts up already. Um, it's uh, sponsored by FirstNet and AT and T. Uh, definitely check it out. It, it's good listening.
0: Hundred percent. Thanks, all the listeners. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.